Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast full of inspiring stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Kamleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with Scotland and dream about future adventures. I'll tell you immersive stories to whisk you away, share some of my top tips for your own Scotland trip, and introduce you to inspiring locals and their stories. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. Hello, Wild for Scotland listeners. You may not recognise this voice because I am not Kathy Kamleitner. <laughs> this is Francesca Tarowskis. I am the co-producer of Wild for Scotland. Those of you who have been listening for a while might recognise my voice from some of the adverts that we did in the last season, but otherwise I do tend to stay behind the scenes. But today... I'm coming onto the microphone for a very special episode. If you listened to the last episode, you will have heard a slightly different story to usual. And this is one that Kathy has been thinking about doing slightly differently. And today I wanted to ask her and interview her about it in the same way that she's been interviewing some of the people of Scotland so far this season. Kathy. Yes. The listeners know your voice, they know your podcast, but they might not know everything about who you are and what you do. So can you please introduce us with your pronouns and let us know? So my name is Kathy Kamleitner. My pronouns are she, her. And yeah, I mean, if people knew everything about me, I think that would be a little bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite glad um, to, to come on today and, and tell people a little bit more about me and my work and yeah really about how the podcast came about and what I'm trying to do and especially last week's episode I think it was such a special process to work towards and do something a little bit different and I think it has really that entire experience that the, the story is based on has really 
open up this whole new Pandora's box of, of being creative and, and trying things a little bit differently. So I am really interested by this as well, because at the moment that we're recording this episode, Kathy hasn't actually given me the story to edit up yet. So I've heard bits and pieces about what this is going to contain, but I haven't heard everything about it. I'm, I'm going to bring you back a little bit. We've been doing the podcast for two years now. Yeah, so this this season, by the time people listen, it's about two years since I think I first started thinking and talking to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. But over the past couple of days, we've actually met up for the first time. And it's been really interesting to see Kathy do another aspect of her job, which is making fantastic itineraries for people going around Scotland. And we have been doing a lot over the past two days, which we might go into at a future date. But for now, I am going to bring it back a little bit and I'm going to ask you to, to tell the listeners a bit about how you started getting into doing your, your business, Watch Me See, and doing the itineraries and uh, what it is about Scotland that drew you here. It's really interesting because I can't put my finger on it. Um, I moved to Scotland for my postgraduate degree at Glasgow Uni about just over nine years ago. And at the time, the main thing I wanted to do was study in an English-speaking country. It wasn't really... Yes, I had my preferences, but it wasn't really about a certain country I wanted to live here or, or elsewhere. Um, it, was, it was by chance that I ended up in Scotland. But then as soon as I moved here, I did feel, particularly in Glasgow, that I just was really welcomed and it felt like home very very quickly and it was the people mostly it was it was the city and you know the the history and the different things that the city has to offer it's a very cultural city it's a it's a very creative and artistic city but it was really the people they were just so lovely and welcoming and i felt like there was many opportunities in scotland that i hadn't really seen back home or elsewhere you know when i moved abroad and that was really what kind of intrigued me to stay longer than that year for the Masters. And I wanted to experience Scotland, not just as a student. And, you know, it, it was very much in the early days of living in Scotland that I started travelling around with my family who came and visited or friends who came for a visit and with friends at uni, I joined the mountaineering club. So we went to the Highlands a lot and hiked and climbed and did outdoorsy things. And it was very early on that I started writing about it for different online publications. Um, I did have my website at that point, Watch Me See, but it wasn't where it is now. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. But I've always had that passion of sh not just traveling and experiencing other places and exploring or, or, you know, having fun adventures, but sharing that with others. And that's what I did increasingly for other publications, but also on my own website. And to kind of fast forward, just over the years, you know, people started to find me and started to take my advice and read my stories and, and get a sense of what they can do and see in Scotland. And more and more people came and asked for specific advice. And it wasn't something I knew that you could do as a business. Mm. But over time, just became clear that it could be something I could explore. 
as a way of making a living. And yeah, here we are today. Obviously, I have made that that jump and, and created a business out of my passion for not just travel, but traveling in Scotland and communicating what is so great about the places you can visit here and the adventures you can have here. Yeah. So this is something that you have spoken to a couple of your guests about, in fact. So this idea of coming into Scotland technically an outsider but feeling very welcomed and feeling very at home straight away and this is going to be a bit of a leading question because we have spoken about this off mic but do you think that being both an outsider and a new Scot who has made their home here for quite a while now do you think that gives you a different way of planning itineraries and a different way of approaching a trip to Scotland? Uh, definitely. I think it's not everything. You know, I'm also just a type of person who loves a spreadsheet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and colour coding. But I do think that having moved here and having experienced all of these things for the first time very consciously when I was new, whereas, you know, I, I just know it from myself. If I did this for my home country... <laughs> It would not be the same because you move through your the, your surroundings that you are surrounded by all the time, and you just don't pay the same attention as when it's new, and when it's a place that you're 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 visiting or you you've just moved to. So I do think that that kind of combination of I'm a local, I live here, I've travelled around a lot, and um, I've been to a lot of different places in Scotland, and I do know them in depth and and better than someone who's maybe only been here for once or twice but I am like you say still sort of an outsider I am someone who came here and with fresh eyes mm -hmm. and notices things that you know be, are worth pointing out to international visitors because they're different or because they're quirky or because you know they're just very unique for Scotland particularly and that combination of of the two I think gives me a perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise, mm. you know, if I had grown up here, for example. So you said there, obviously, a big part of your job, the planning itineraries, the spreadsheets and being very organised in that way. But then during the lockdown, as we know, you started Wild for Scotland, the podcast, which is the, the opposite side of it. It's something which is very creative in the telling of it. And even though you are giving a lot of information one of the things that drew me to working on the podcast is the fact that it is very creative and it is very, you know, lyrical in the way that you are telling the stories. So can you just give us a little bit of an insight as to why you decided to do the podcast in that way? What was it? And what was it about podcasting that made you feel like that was the right medium to do it? Yeah, oh, that's, that's so nice to hear, you know, and, and in a way... Listeners probably think, oh, they're just congratulating themselves. But yeah, no, it, it is nice to hear that and to get that kind of feedback. Because at the time of the lockdown, as a travel blogger, as a content creator in the travel industry, it felt very much like, and I know everybody probably felt like this, and many people have had it much worse. Many industries have been hit much worse, but it did feel like all of a sudden what you do is not needed anymore. And 
everything that I poured my heart and my soul into, all the content on my website, the travel guides, the itineraries, all of these things weren't needed because no one was able to travel and no one knew when we would be able to travel again. And at the time, and I think particularly in Glasgow, over that winter period, 2020 into 21, Glasgow was in a much stricter and longer lockdown than much of the rest of Scotland uh, and the UK in general. And so being stuck at home, feeling a bit useless, <laughs> I thought, well, what are the things I can do? And the, the, the one thing that stood out to me and that had been, you know, that I had heard from many readers and followers is, you know, telling stories and giving people a sense of feeling connected with Scotland, even though they're not here. And seeing that through images, but also reading that in blog posts or in captions on social media. But I thought all of these are way too restrictive. The blog post is a practical resource. Social media is fun, but it's a very... Content is short and snappy. Mm -hmm. I wanted something where I could dive into a bit more detail and really dive into a story and, and just have more space to explore narratives and, and different ways of telling a story and describing places and inspiring people to visit them, maybe at a later point. And at the time I was obsessed with podcasts already, as probably most people in the world. <laughs> um, and I thought, well, playing with audio and, and recording these stories would actually be a really nice way to do it. And I can't remember how exactly, but I must have mentioned it to you and <laughs> you encouraged me. I do remember that because I had known your podcast and all the work you were doing at the time. And I thought, oh, well, I don't know how to do this. I would love to do it. I just need a little bit of a push. And I think that's what you gave me at the time was the, that sounds great, do it. Just get on it and just start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to encourage more podcasts in the world. It's a form that I really enjoy. And as we're doing right now, you get to speak to the person face-to-face, -face, whether that is via Zoom or whether that is face-to-face -face, as we're actually managing now. And that's something which you started doing in the last couple of seasons. So the first two were obviously first-person stories and accounts, and then the world opened up and you decided to go and do interviews. So how was that? It was really scary. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I I love talking um, and I think people can probably tell that. I don't have any issues starting conversations with people, but then actually recording them and making them not just interesting for me, but for my guests and also for all the listeners was quite intimidating at the start, figuring out all the tech and making sure it sounded okay. And I didn't forget to press record and the batteries didn't run out, all these mm. things. But at the same time, it was... 100% the right step for, for my work and for the podcast and it's just so exciting to be able to have guests on the show and not just have me and my perspectives but also about hearing the stories of other people who live in Scotland, many of whom have chosen to live in Scotland which wasn't on purpose necessarily but I think reflects who I am and it also means that you know, I obviously don't know everything. I can't put all the facts into my stories. 
but when I go on these trips that the stories are based on, I often, you know, I always meet people who I find interesting and who know way more about these things than me. So it's quite nice being able to dive even deeper with a guest who can just share a wealth of knowledge about the stories topic as well. Mm. What I would quite like to know is in terms of picking the stories and writing the stories for people that have probably not been to the places that you're speaking about. How do you think about that from the listener's point of view? How do you write a story for audio that really tries to put people into the the landscape and the place that you're talking about? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think there's there's really two parts to it and I might make up a third or a fourth as we go along. Um, <laughs> I think on the one hand, I want to tell stories about places that aren't so obvious or that people might have not heard about or that maybe the majority of people haven't heard about. You know, yes, there are some places featured on the podcast that are maybe more popular and, and more people know about. But I think the majority of stories, I try to go to places that are a bit unexpected and that contribute to bring people to places that they hadn't considered before, that wasn't on their radar and doesn't contribute to over-tourism in certain places. You know, that I do appreciate that as a content creator, as a podcaster, as a storyteller. You know, I'm part of a network of people who make recommendations and I want to make recommendations that are maybe a bit out of the ordinary or out of the usual places that people hear about. So it's it's about featuring places that I find very special and I've kind of discovered myself maybe on the off chance and encouraging people to look beyond the kind of iconic places that are always featured everywhere. And the other part of the coin, so to say, is to really try and work as immersively as possible in the way the stories are written, but then also in what you add to it as the editor and sound designers with the sound effects and making people even more feel like they are there in the moment and they are there in that location. And from the perspective of writing it, it's really about being descriptive for me. When I walk around a forest or a natural landscape or even a city or a town, I love paying attention to textures, to colours, to contrasts between things, whether that's modern and old architecture or... Right now I'm looking around at us and I notice the lichen, the different sorts of lichens and mosses on the trees and the different shapes of the leaves and how serrated they are and, you know, those sorts of things. And I think one of the ways I do this personally, yeah, you can do a lot from memory, but I really wanted to be as accurate as possible. So I take a lot of pictures and then look at that for reference and think about, well, which plants are growing in those landscapes and then making it as as accurate and as relatable as possible to yeah, create that sense of being there and just listening and regardless of where you are in the world, having that feeling that you can be there with me and I'm taking you along. I'm standing still, considering my options. Where will my next step take me? 
No matter where I look, left, right or straight ahead, I see a different view, promising a different kind of adventure. Behind me is a grassy path that leads back to the busy car park. It is still early in the day, but most spaces are already filled. People emerge from their cars and empty their boots, carrying camping chairs, cooler boxes and towels. They're heading to what's on my right, the sandy beach at Ruby Bay. Golden sands framed by dark rocks and green meadows. The tide is out and I can see figures walking across the wet, compressed sand to reach the water's edge. Small streams crisscross the beach, shallow canyons revealed by the low level of water. Beyond the bay lies a row of houses, like pebbles threaded on a piece of string across the horizon. A step in that direction and I could settle into a day on the beach, building sandcastles, exploring rock pools, lazing around in the sun. Hmm. Let's check out my other options. Hello, Wild for Scotland listeners. I'm interrupting my own episode here to let you know about our Patreon. This is and always has been an independent show, and as such, I carry all the costs for producing it myself. I pay Fran for making the podcast sound good, invest in the necessary equipment to take on the road, and spend tons of time writing and recording my stories and interviews. If you enjoy the show, and you can afford to support our efforts with a monthly contribution, you can do so by signing up to our Patreon. Support options start with as little as £3 per month, but we're also getting back on track with bonus episodes for you, so it's really worth going for the £6 tier to get more stories and interviews from my travels around Scotland. This month, Patreon supporters will get to hear an exclusive conversation with Jen Austin, who created the beautiful music that accompanied my poems about the Argyle Hope Spots. Head to wildforscotland.com support to find out how it works and sign up as a patron. That's wildforscotland.com support. Thank you so much. So I want to move on now to talk a little bit about what last week's story was about, and that is the artist residency. And trying to bring to light areas which aren't necessarily as well known about. This is partly what the artist residency was about and the Argyle Hope Spot, which is something very specific. And that is one of the reasons that they wanted artists' residency there to to bring light to it. So can you give us a little bit of an idea? We, we heard a little bit about what a hope spot is, but a little bit of an idea about what the actual residency was like. We heard about your interpretation of the hope spot, but what was the residency like and why did you go on that one? So the residency took place in July over two weekends and it really was an opportunity for, I think there was 11 artists in total of all different genres and and creative art forms so to say to come together at the Argyle Hope Spot and learn about the biodiversity underwater particularly and the coastal marine environment um, here on the west coast of Scotland and learn about it and then think about how to translate that into their creative expression or their art form. It was a snorkeling residency so we actually snorkeled quite a bit at the Hope Spot at various different locations to see 
what's under the water, what's under the surface. And we had little drawing boards and waterproof paper and waterproof colours and oil pastels and actually drew underwater while we were snorkeling, which was pretty unique and very experimental for really everybody involved. And what I really enjoyed about it was that there was no pressure to create certain things or a particular result or an outcome. It was about being creative with what we see and and learning and taking in as much as we can and letting that inspire the work that comes out of it for potentially years to come you know it's, it wasn't there was no time pressure behind it I had never done an artist residency before and I felt a bit worried that I would feel very out of place but it was actually absolutely incredible and everybody was so welcoming and because of the underwater drawing aspect it was experimental for everybody no one felt like they knew what they were doing it was new for everyone and it was really nice just having that space and time to explore a landscape that I knew very little about and then thinking about that very creatively. So how did you then take that um, very immersive experience? (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) How did you take that immersive experience and then begin to translate it into what we heard last week? So a lot of the pieces you heard last week started as notes or in some stage of a draft on those two weekends particularly the second weekend was when we had more time to actually start creating things and 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 for me writing and starting writing texts about the experience and what was particularly nice is that on that second weekend by luck the weather was pretty awful so we didn't spend quite as much time in the water and we had more time in the local village hall where we had big tables and all the artists were together in one big room and we created next to each other and recreated mm-hmm. collaboratively. So there were big paintings being painted by more the visual artists, but everybody kind of chimed in. Even even I did uh, make my marks on it, <laughs> trying not to ruin it. <laughs> but there was also a musician and I was writing and there was a stone sculpture. So everybody started just going inwards and reflecting on the things we had experienced and and expressing themselves while we were all in the room together. And one person that, for me, particularly stood out was Jen, who is a musician based on Orkney, and she started playing her piano while everybody was creating, while people were painting and looking at photographs and developing pictures and and I was writing along as she played and that made me feel so inspired and really, even though of course the soundscape underwater when you snorkel is very different, it did make it very easy for me to think back and think about what it, what I saw underwater, what it was like underwater, what it felt like to be underwater. There's quite a loss of control in a way when you float in the water. And so that's why in the end... I immediately said to Jen, you know, can we please do something together? And uh, it was very nice kicking off that process already on the weekend while everybody was still playing around with ideas and very preliminary pieces of work and Mm co-creating in the same room. And how do you then start translating that, as you were talking about with Jen, trying to translate that into music? 
What what kind of different techniques as a writer did you have to think about when translating and explaining what the underwater world looks like to people that, you know, listeners might not have been to Scotland before, but they might have seen pictures, <laughs> probably have seen films and that kind of thing. People haven't necessarily seen this underwater world, which you spoke about. How do you start speaking about that and translating that for a listener? It's really interesting because going into the experience, I had a vision in mind of what the pieces of writing would be because I thought, oh, well, if I visit any place for any of my podcast stories, this is what I do. I stop and I look around and I describe what I see to my left, to my right, in front of me, behind me, that sort of thing. <laughs> but very, very, very quickly in the water, it became very clear that that is not possible for a variety of reasons. On the one hand, because you're floating at the surface, everything is below you. Like, like yeah, there's a little bit of left and right, but it doesn't work in quite the same way because you're horizontal and not standing up vertical or, you know, sitting in a landscape. You're not anchored to anywhere. So as soon as I would want to stop and describe what's around me, everything is already gone again because you're floating on. The tide takes you, even just the smallest current in the water pushes you on. And so you would have to hold on to something. But of course, you risk damaging the environment. So you don't want to hold on. Even just putting a finger down there where we were swimming and as you heard there were so many brittle stars everywhere and anemones and crabs and different kinds of worms and all these things you don't want to damage any of that so you can't really hold on so you don't have the anchor and you don't have a way to stay in one spot to describe what you see it's almost like a constant flow of a blur of images some of them you see clearer than others that might also be because your snorkel mask fogs up, you know, mm. and there's a little bit of water in it. So the way you see is very, very different. And yes, you can take pictures and some of them actually work out fine. <laughs> very few of them. But it, it, it's not the same. You, you see differently, I think, underwater than you see above ground. And you're also not meant to be there as well. So it, it, the, your position in that landscape is very, very different than it is above water. And so in terms of writing, it became clear to me very quickly and, and it almost felt like, oh, I'm going back in time to high school writing lessons. It's almost like a stream of consciousness. It reminded me of that kind of writing technique that we learned about and I thought, who writes like this? And um, now I know <laughs> it's people who go underwater <laughs> and try and describe the ocean um, because you are floating. It, it is a stream of, of scenes and habitats and species that float past you or you float past them and that almost requires that by the time you are halfway through a sentence you already have to start the next one because you see the next little thing so that that was quite interesting to play with this in a writing sense as a as a creative tool or a method almost to try and capture that you do have a, like I said a loss of control almost you don't always know where you are you always know where it's up and down because otherwise you would drown, <laughs> which is not a good thing. But other than that, that is your only anchor and it's not a very strong anchor sometimes to go by mm. because also wildlife can be above on the water surface or it can be below, it can float around. Seaweed is twisting and turning in all directions. There is no up and down necessarily. 
Um, so it is quite interesting. It was quite interesting to try and capture that and just completely go away from what I normally do and my normal techniques or my normal, my usual tools that I try and use and try something a bit different out of my comfort zone in many different ways. Mm. This has been absolutely fascinating as somebody who has worked on aspects of your podcast, but to hear how things get to the stage where I start doing the editing is always interesting. We usually at this stage ask people to tell us where you can find them and that kind of thing. But I'm hoping most people will know where to find you by now. And we are currently being eaten by midges. So I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. But um, I'd like to ask you very quickly, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to going forward with the podcast? I think the residency and that experience of having to find new writing tools is something I would like to do more of. I think we can sometimes get too comfortable with the things we know and the things we do and the techniques we use. And so pushing that comfort zone a little bit more and more often is something I really look forward to. I think keeping that combination of stories and interviews and, and diving deeper into certain topics is something I really want to work on. I've through my stories that I've done in the past seasons, there are so many people I want to interview. <laughs> I could probably do a whole season just with that, catching up with people. But it is, yeah, to me, what is exciting is that opportunity to be more creative. Now I know that I can do it and I like to do it and it's fun and it's something different um, and it, it is exciting to work like this. So I'm, I'm excited to try that more and bring in more elements like this and tell different stories. And maybe you'll hear more poems <laughs> <laughs> and um, not just one long story. And yeah, I look forward to seeing where that creative journey will end up or bring me to. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for giving us an insight to your creative process, how you came to be in Scotland, how you came to be in people's ears right now. I look forward to hopefully continuing to work on those future episodes. We are coming to the end of the season today. This is the last one, special episodes for you to end up. How can people keep up to date between seasons? The best thing is really to come over to watch me see and engage with me there. I do not always keep up to date with my social media on, on the podcast social media. So heading over to watch me see in between season is where I'm most active. There's an email list as well where you can hear from me once a week, which is quite fun because, yeah, I just share what's going on in my life and what's going on in Scotland and things you can discover at the time. Um, I always share more tips and inspiring stories over there as well so yeah find me at watch me see and connect with me there beautiful thank you and thank you very much for letting me interview you today it's great to get an insight there well thank you for taking you know for being a part of this and uh, everybody for listening to me and with this we have sadly reached the end of season four of Wild for Scotland. 
I hope you enjoyed the past 10 episodes and have fallen in love with the places I told you about and the people we've spoken with. This also concludes this year's focus on the people of Scotland. Like I mentioned earlier, interviewing people for this podcast was a daunting task, but one I really enjoyed taking on, and I hope to share many more such conversations with you in the future. We are taking a break over the festive period, and we'll be back with new episodes in the new year. In the meantime, check out the other shows on the Tremula Network, They are adventure and outdoor podcasts that tell stories a little differently, and I think you'll really enjoy them. This season of Wild for Scotland was written and hosted by me, Cathy Kamleitner. Fran Jarowskis is my co-producer and editor, and does all the beautiful soundscape design. Kirsty Spain has helped with transcripts and social media. The podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan Knight, the Tartan Trailburner. All original music was composed by Bruce Wallace, and additional music in the episode about the Argyle Hope Spot came from Jen Austin. Thanks also to all our guests on this season, Kirsty Palace, Ishbel McKinnon, Heather Thomas-Smith and Adam Raja. Until next time, when we travel to many new places in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland. And it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmec.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.